your world, your challenges, your faith. When faith within engages the world without, there's power. It's living life from the inside out. To be a parent is to manage wall-to-wall demands. We want to model, mentor, guide our children's lives, so we often make it a priority to share the very best part of our energy and creativity with our children. But, but what if focusing the best on the children is not always the best for the children? Welcome to Family Life's Inside Out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is author and speaker, Dr. Greg Smalley, Vice President of Marriage at Focus on the Family. Welcome, Dr. Smalley, to Inside Out. Thank you so much for having me. So, Greg, a lot of parents want to spend more time with their children thinking about their own childhoods, and they want to do more with their children than their parents did with them. They're fully aware of the competing worldviews, and and they want to model and teach and inspire. They want to give children the best chance to live faithful, God-glorifying lives. So spending time with the kids becomes the highest family priority. But what are some of the ways that the marriage that binds the parents together can actually falter when it doesn't at least sometimes take priority? Yeah, I think in two ways in particular. One is that we're all busy. And one of the things I've noticed even post-COVID is that you see a lot of parents who felt guilty, felt bad that their children missed out on certain opportunities, you know, when things shut down, Mm -hmm. that I I see a lot of parents trying to make up for that, those lost opportunities for their kids. Mm -hmm. And I think we're even busier now than, than we were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you hear that even, hey, we're going to do a makeup trip. So I mean, people are mm-hmm. traveling like crazy. I mean, just I, I think we are even more busier. And, and what that does is that when when couples are busy, they're they're going to invest their time in all kinds of ways. All of a sudden, they start to feel the drift. So they start drifting in their relationship. And all of a sudden, they, they end up feeling like married roommates. Mm. And, and when couples feel like we're nothing more than roommates, loneliness sets in. And loneliness, I would say it's probably one of the most painful emotions that we can experience inside of a marriage. Sure. Because we, we didn't get married to feel lonely. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we can... You know, we can be in the same house, we can sleep in the same bed, be at the same dinner table, and yet feel like we're a million miles apart from each other. Mm-hmm. In in when when people start to feel lonely, it's it's only a short amount of time to where they're they're going to continue to find other things to invest their their time and their attention into. And then one day they just they wake up feeling so disconnected from each other that it's like my heart's now shut down, my heart's hardened towards you. And you see a lot of couples who don't survive that mm-hmm. simply because they were prioritizing so many other things. Mm-hmm. And so so I think one way that that we falter in our relationship, we just we get so busy and we stop placing any sort of priority on spending time and making sure that, that we're connected. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I see, too, with couples is that when they're busy, you know, when they're spending a lot of time with kids, they're not working through issues within their relationship. You know, we're all different and we're going to push each other's buttons and we're going to have, you know, those hard moments between us. And and so what I I see is that, that couples who are that busy, that disconnected, that invested in their kids and hobbies and work and everything else, 
that they just quit repairing mm-hmm. hard conversations and hard experiences that they've had. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens over time, if, if my wife, her name's Aaron, if Aaron mm-hmm. and I, if we're not repairing when we've had a really hard interaction, then that, that slowly shuts our heart down towards each other. And then over time again, our hearts will harden to each other. If couples can't work through problems, if we can't repair, you know, difficult difficulties within our relationship, that marriage is absolutely doomed. Other than, you know, there will be times where people who have hardened hearts towards each other just stay together for the sake of kids or convenience, whatever. But man, that's that. That sort of marriage is so far from really what what God desires for us, mm-hmm. and so I think we either we either become so busy that we're not connected or we're not dealing with issues that should be dealt with, and all that resentment and and stuff builds up to where that relationship is in trouble unless mm-hmm. they do something about it. And both of those take time; they take focus and time. To, to counter, right. So, so, so what do you see as the direct benefits to children, to the whole family, when parents do grow in their bonds with each other and they take the time as adults to develop their connection with God? Well, we, my wife and I, and I laugh as I'm saying this because we, we tell our kids all the time that, that listen, our, our marriage is the sun and you are the planets. You orbit our marriage. We do not orbit you. And I think there are a lot of child-centric, child-focused homes out there to where everything seems to be centered around the kids and what the kids are doing and how can we give them these different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I, as we first started having kids, we always wanted them to know that the, the priority is God, number one, our marriage, number two, and then our family, number three. And, and, and we never want them to forget that. So we then have to back that up or right. they'll go, yeah, that's a bunch of lip service. Mm-hmm. You guys mm-hmm. said that, but you, you didn't follow that. Mm-hmm. I remember one time when, when our, our youngest daughter, who's now 15, when she was four, probably, I was trying to get Aaron out for a date night, and Annie did not want Mom to leave. Uh-huh. She was clinging, grabbing hold of her leg, and so I, I was going to intervene and you know say, Annie, you know, pry Annie off of <laughs> Aaron's legs. Well, my my son, out of nowhere, he's probably ten at the time. He intervenes and he he says, Annie, Annie, he says, Hey, you gotta let go, Mom. He goes, We we've got to let Mom and Dad go out on a date because this is how they keep their marriage strong. Mm. And I just remember looking mm. at my son like, what? Mm. Like you, you hear nothing. And I say, how, how have you, <laughs> how have you come up with that little bit of wisdom? And it was so funny. So Annie, she goes, Oh, she goes, well, okay. But she goes, Kirsten, what, what do they do on their date? And that was the extent of my son's, you know, marriage expertise. And he goes, <laughs> he literally goes, I have no idea, but I think it ends in kissing. In <laughs> in the point being is that that to me that was evidence that our kids were understanding that that again our marriage is the sun and they are orbiting us. 
and my son was recognizing that, yeah, this is what mom and dad do to keep their marriage strong. We, we've got to allow for this. When, when our kids were, were young, and every parent understands the getting out of bed for the you know umpteenth time for water. Mm-hmm. One of my kids, she actually just called me as I was walking back to my office. Her name's Murphy. And Murphy was so clever. She would get out of her bed, just a little thing, and go, Daddy... Would you just pray with me one more time? Oh my! And what are you supposed to yeah, say to that? Okay. You know, I'm like, you were so manipulative. <laughs> but, but what we would do though with our kids is that we would say, listen, you know, you know your bedtime, whatever, eight o'clock. We put you in bed. We gave you water. We prayed with you, and now you're interrupting mom and dad our time. Mm-hmm. And this is how we keep our marriage strong. So I said, if you're going to interrupt me, then tomorrow you'll sit in time out for as many minutes as you take away from mom and I. Mm. And we would hold them accountable to that. Mm-hmm. And over time, they learned that this is mom and dad's time and they're serious. And if they, if we're interrupting them, then the, we're in trouble the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think part of it is that, that the benefit is one, when, when our marriage is healthy, everybody wins. You know, I, I always tell Couples, one of my favorite things to do is to to kiss my wife and to be affectionate with her in front of our kids. Mm-hmm. Of course, they'll do the oh, mm-hmm. that's so right. gross. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and what I would do is I would I honestly would would say, hey, look in my eyes. I said, don't 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 push back when I kiss your mom when I'm affectionate with your mom. That's me loving my wife, and you benefit from that. And so don't you know don't dishonor my marriage by saying that's gross. It's not mm-hmm. gross. Is that so we we we're constantly trying to trying to teach them that that marriage matters and that they benefit from from their mom and dad staying together not just staying together but but having a, a healthy relationship not perfect uh-huh. but but having a marriage that we both like the direction that we're going in mm-hmm. and they benefit from that do you think do and, you think they see what i mean at a young age do you think they see what the benefit is well, I, I know that they see friends whose parents have divorced sure. and they and they see the pain. They mm-hmm. they hear from their friends and they know that something that that yeah, boy, that seems to have really caused some damage within that family and my friend is hurting and you know, it, all of that. So I think they, they get that that the preference would be mm-hmm. sure. how can my mom and dad stay together and that requires then time and investment and, and all that. And so I definitely think they get it. Plus, you know, our kids, their marriage will look like ours. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're teaching them how to be a husband. We're teaching them how to be a wife. We're teaching them how to be a, a spouse by, by how I treat my wife, how she treats me, how we treat our, our marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. They're, they're watching that. Man, those little eyes, mm-hmm. they get it. They see it. I was... This is probably a, a ridiculous analogy, but I was just I was on Instagram the other day and I don't do a lot of social media, but I caught a reel. You know, so what, mm-hmm. ten seconds worth in in and it showed this this dad walk by and and kind of give his wife, you know, a a, a pat on her backside. Mm-hmm. Well, this little kid, the little, you know, son walks right behind him and does the same thing to her. 
in in as funny as that may have appeared, mm-hmm. what struck me is just going, that's it, man. That little boy watched his dad flirting with his mom and now is doing that. Now, again, she probably doesn't want her son, mm-hmm. her little son, hitting her on the backside. But it's still, it's the point. Those little eyes are always watching in how we manage conflict, how we have a spiritual relationship together. Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to church? Are we communicating? Are, are they watching us fight and then go behind closed doors? Or are they watching us bring this argument to a resolution or, mm-hmm. or a repair? I mean, man, they they need to see all that because that that's what they're learning. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to know those things. And, and that's the benefit is that we're teaching them, good or bad, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to be a married person someday. And and that's why I want I want our kids to see you know, they're gonna see the, the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, I get it. I mean we're we're all human. Right. But I mean I want them to, to leave my home with a clear sense of, oh, this is what it means to be married and I have hope. You know, we've been married thirty years now. My wife and I just aren't just together. I mean, we, we love each other. She's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not perfect but but I'm proud of our marriage. I mm-hmm. love our marriage. And we'll keep growing and learning like all of us have to do. But that's what I want my kids to know is that absolutely you can make this work for a lifetime. Now, my oldest daughter went through a divorce. So she was married three years. And then her husband came home one day and said, yeah, I'm done and met someone mm-hmm. else. And he was gone. And and so it doesn't insulate no, right. our kids but but all through that though, I, one of the things that stood out to me is is just walking with our daughter through that journey of just healing, is just her saying that you know I've never lost hope mm. because I I know that that you and mom you you work at this like this can be done. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't want to work, but I know God will bring someone who will want to do the work that you guys do with me so that I can have what you have. I mean mm-hmm. that. I couldn't have asked. You talk about feeling so blessed mm-hmm. that that she recognizes that because yeah. Aaron, Aaron and I do the hard work, and there are days that we don't like each other. Mm-hmm. We're yes. committed to each other, but we certainly don't like each other. And there's a whole lot of days to where I just go and how can this be possible that I get to hang out with my very best friend mm-hmm. yes. and, and we get to do life together and ministry together and raise kids together and hang out. So that's the benefit is that they can leave my home and our home with, with a clear sense of what does it take to have a strong, healthy, thriving marriage and, and the hope that they did it so we could do it. Mm-hmm. And you, you bring up that the imperfections that we have in even really good marriages. But that also, I'm sure, brings the hope, too, because as we come to an awareness as a young person that we are imperfect, we don't have to say, oh, it's only because mom and dad were perfect that their marriage was good. Right. Yeah, right. Right, totally. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, when we'll watch a movie or something and I'll I'll hear parents will say, you know, I just want my child to be happy. Or you'll hear a spouse go, I just want my spouse to be happy. And and I hate that <laughs> because that, that is so not what I believe. Hey, I'm, I love happiness and I'm not against happiness at all. But I, I try to tell my kids that the reason I hate that is because, man, growth requires some hard times mm-hmm. and pain. 
and I always tell them, I don't want you to be happy, but I want you to be growing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to require both good times and, and really hard times. Like all of that's required if we're going to keep growing closer you know, to the image of Christ. So that, that's true for marriage as well, is that, that I just don't want Aaron and I to be happy. Man, I want to, are we growing? Mm-hmm. Are we growing as individuals? Are we growing as a couple? And, and are we putting in the work that's required then to do that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me just take a moment to reset for those just joining us. You're listening to Inside Out on Family Life. I'm talking today with Dr. Greg Smalley, Vice President of Marriage at Focus on the Family. Greg, could you describe some practical ways? We've been talking here, and you've been giving great examples, but can you describe some practical ways parents can invest in their marriages and in their life as disciples that will help them, you know, both as individuals, as a couple, but also because of that, enrich their family's life? And then also, because not every parent is married, what are some ways that single parents might also invest their time that will both enrich them as parents and the entire family? I would say two things as far as if we're if we're growing in our marriage, I think we're doing a lot, but two things really stand out to me. Number one is that we have to continually be rediscovering our spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the realities of life is that, that I'm always changing my wife. She's always changing. Mm-hmm. And and I have to make sure that, that I'm keeping current, that I'm staying updated on on her in her inner life in her emotions and her dreams and her hopes and her stressors and her fears. I mean, all that kind of inner life stuff in, in what that requires though, is that, that the research has shown that couples that spend 10 minutes a day of inner life conversation, in other words, asking her, you know, what was the higher of your day? What was the mm-hmm. low of your day? Give me three feeling words. You know, what, what are you dreaming about? What, what's stressing you out most in your life right now? When, when we invest 10 minutes, so think about that, that's just 10 minutes a day right. of that sort of inner life conversation. That's where the, the experts have found that that's one of the biggest difference between couples who are maybe just staying together for the sake of the kids versus those marriages that are truly thriving. Mm-hmm. And so what, what Aaron and I have learned to do is that we, we love the high and low game. And so we'll most every night at the end of the day, we're tired, we're now finally in bed, mm-hmm. and, and we'll spend 10 minutes and we'll just ask each other, high of your day, low of your day, Mm-hmm. And that usually takes us about 10 minutes just to kind of unpack mm-hmm. some of what's what went on. And it's such a good way for me to rediscover Aaron constantly mm-hmm. because, you know, like, like our middle daughter got married this summer. Well, that's one of Aaron's very best friends, Murphy, who got mm-hmm. married. Well, things change then. What, sure. what Aaron now needs and wants and just all of how she's feeling. I mean, I got to stay current with that stuff. I got to keep pursuing her. And, and the hard part is, is that most couples, our communication revolves around administrating our marriage. Hmm. You think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about how many conversations that we have to have on who's picking up which right. kid, right. who's dropping them off, who's going to the store, who's paying bills. Just, you know, it just takes a lot of that you know, business kind of meetings. 
in communication just to manage our family. Well, the problem is, is that that monopolizes most of the communication within the average marriage. Mm-hmm versus the more inner life conversation, that's never going to happen on its own. You got to, we got to work to make that happen. Mm -hmm. The other stuff will just come at us, but this kind of communication, we have to be intentional. Mm -hmm. So I think if a couple prioritizes, we're going to spend 10 minutes a day kind of rediscovering each other, high and low of your day, I tell you that that'll connect them. I'd say the other big thing that stands out to me is we have to repair when we have arguments and when we have a conflict and when we hurt each other, we've got to be willing to repair. The research shows that about 70% of every argument that we will ever have in a marriage is perpetual. In other mm. words, it's dealing with an issue that is based on like a personality difference. Like I'm an introvert. Okay. My wife is an extrovert. All right. So we, we have plenty of arguments about people coming over mm-hmm. and how often we should hang out with other sure. people. And, and, of course, I never want to leave the house. Well, as an extrovert, <laughs> my wife, you know, Always. longs for that. Yeah, right. Well, it's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow in spite of all of Aaron's prayers. I'm not going to wake <laughs> up tomorrow and be an extrovert. Right. So, I mean, that, that'll do, that's perpetual. We'll, we'll keep dealing with that. There's tons of those kinds of things. And so when we repair, we're not trying to solve an issue. We're not trying to resolve it. That's why I hate the term conflict resolution, because I, I think most conflicts don't have a resolution anyway. But instead, repair means that we spend the time to really go after the emotions. What was that like? Hey, when mm. we had this argument, when I yelled at you because you invited someone over, you know, you know, tomorrow uh, or snapped at you, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, what was that like for you? And so Aaron and I have gotten into a really good habit, and when I can tell that, or she can tell that a conversation didn't go real well, we'll just simply say, hey, is there anything we need to repair mm-hmm. about that conversation? And sure. sometimes it's, nah, you know, give you grace, I know you're tired, no big deal. But there are plenty of times that, that we'll go, yeah, you know what, that, I didn't like how that went. Let's, mm-hmm. let's repair that. And we just spend time listening and caring and empathizing with how that felt, and that's how you truly repair conversations. I think if couples are pursuing each other 10 minutes a day, keeping current and rediscovering each other, and they're repairing when those conflicts happen, man, those two things alone are going to take us so far as far as staying connected in Mm -hmm. our marriage. Now, I know that your specialty and you're vice president for marriage for Focus on the Family, but when we're talking about like the spiritual health and the relational health of a parent, we have single parents who are definitely, you know, in the fight, you know, they're in the midst of this and they too can be tempted toward a child-centric life. So what are some of the things that adults who are not married but who are parenting can enrich their lives so that it flows to their children, but they do have that relational, um, that discipleship component? Now, what can they do to enrich that when we're not talking about a spouse to have that 10 minutes with at the end of the day? Absolutely. So we run a program here at Focus called Hope Restored. So it's it's, it's basically a marriage ER. So uh-huh. we've seen over 10,000 couples in crisis go through that, about an 80% success rate. I would say the single greatest thread 
of why all these couples are, are coming in needing help is that they never learned how to truly be well cared for as an individual. Hmm. And so I, as a parent, I think our, one of our greatest jobs is to teach our kids, what does it really look like to be responsible for, for me as an individual? Cause God said, love him and love others as mm-hmm. we love ourselves. in, in our Christian culture, we often replace the word as with instead. So you hear yes. love God and love others instead of mm-hmm. yourself. Well, the problem is you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. So here we're trying to encourage people to have great relationships, but you're probably going to be worn out and exhausted and empty and have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. And then any time a, a kid or a spouse wants something from you, you're resentful because you have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. Versus, I think one of the most important things that we can teach our children is what does godly self-care really look like? In other words, have I learned how to be well cared for as an individual, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically? And am I modeling for my kids how to do that job well, teaching them that that's your responsibility? As a parent, I want to constantly be releasing that responsibility more and more to our children because when they leave the home, and I have this argument, by the way, with my 21-year-old son. He, he, he always is telling me, no, I'm an adult. And I, I keep telling him, well, you're close. Mm-hmm. No, the government says that I can fight in a war and that mm-hmm. I can drink legally now at 21 and I have a driver's license. And I keep telling him, no, the definition of an adult is someone who is fully responsible for their well-being. Mm-hmm. And they are doing that job well. To me, that's what a true adult is. So whether you're married or not, as a parent, what we can teach our kids is what does that job look like? Are we modeling taking good care of ourselves? Are we teaching our kids the value of of taking time away from them so that we can figure out what gives us rest and what mm-hmm. brings life? You know, in in as we figure out rest and life, I think that's a big part of what what keeps us well cared for so that I have something then to give out because I I think sadly we poorly model that and so our children leave our home watching a mom or a dad who were so empty and worn out and exhausted that they barely had anything to give Mm -hmm. and that's that's not living out the greatest commandment Mm -hmm. and and so I would say that would be the the primary skill is that we're teaching our kids how to do that job. So what does that look like to be well cared for spiritually? What does Mm -hmm. it look like to be mentally well cared for emotionally and physically? You know, and and we're all good at some of those. We're always going to struggle because of humans, you know, in certain areas. But but at least that gives me a target to go, are my children really learning, you know, what it looks like to be well cared for so that we have more to give so that – you know, I know how to pour out and then go back to the well and spend mm-hmm. my time with the Lord and get refilled so that I can just keep pouring out, but always from a place of being abundantly full, which is what God desires in our life. 
Right, right. Beautifully, beautifully said. Yes. And, and there's always the competition in the world around us on self-care is a big, is a big thing, you know, and living your best life yeah. and, and all of that. So the, the idea of godly self-care and, and, and having the time to discern what that is, not necessarily just what the messages are that are coming across whatever screen you're looking at or what your friends might be saying. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for the very practical advice. Thank you for the, the wonderful stories and then the foundation here that we can all learn from. So I, I really appreciate it, Dr. Smalley, for you joining me here today. Today Thank on, you. on Family Life's Inside Out. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. My guest has been author and speaker, Dr. Greg Smalley, Vice President of Marriage at Focus on the Family. Learn more about Dr. Smalley and listen to his podcast on marriage with his wife, Erin, by going online to FocusOnTheFamily.com. I'm Martha Manikas Foster with Inside Out on Family Life. <laughs>